the eighth inning stretch is proudly presented by Printer Dudes, your one-stop shop for the coolest 3D printed toys and collectibles this side of home plate. Use promo code HOMERUN, that's one word, at printerdudes.etsy.com and save 10% off your order. That's Printer Dudes, D-O-O-D-S. Hey everybody, welcome to the 8th inning stretch on a, well, first of all, happy belated first NFL Sunday. Um, neither one of our teams, Carson's Vikings lost, my Patriots are getting their bus handed to him by the Eagles, no surprise, on at least on the Patriots front. Uh, I was just telling Carson it is a cloudy, misty, foggy, rainy-ish day here in Colorado, and all I want to do is plop down in a comfy spot, put on a movie, and take a nap. Um, I will probably do that when we're done recording. Um, yeah, uh, lots to get to, as always, uh, my friend. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the, the sooner I can distract my mind from thinking about the <laughs> fact that my team lost to a team that's being quarterbacked by Baker Mayfield, the better. <laughs> that is... <laughs> That is not a terribly good look, is it? Um, yeah, so anyways, hopefully everyone's doing well. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, the first Sunday of the NFL season. Man, I was I was looking at the... Uh, I was looking at sort of the sports, you know, landscape this morning. And, man, this has got to be the best time of year to be a sports fan. Because we've got, one, we've got baseball... Uh, the baseball regular season winding down and getting ready for the playoffs. Uh, college and NFL football are both uh, back in full swing. Um, hockey season and basketball season are right around the corner. Man, this is we've we've just got it all right now. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be spoiled once again in not too short order, and it's uh, it's absolutely very exciting. Man, I love this time of year. This is great. Um, not great. Not great if you're an Angels fan. Uh, obviously, all the stuff going on, Shohei Otani, and um, but Carson, we've actually got some quasi breaking news here on the eighth inning stretch, which we don't get to do very often. Um, Bob Nightingale reporting that the Angels are reportedly open to trading Mike Trout if he wants out of Anaheim. And if I'm Mike Trout, I am taking that as the green light to, um, um, yeah, so I read this yep. report and I'm going to go ahead and take advantage right here. Um, yeah, you're damn right. But I mean, Ugh. in, in all honesty, this is, you know, I, I can't believe I'm about to use the word classy when it comes to the angels, but, um, it, it is a pretty classy move to, if he asks for, for an out to, to trade him away, um, he certainly would still commend a high value on the trade market, of course. Um, but it'll be, but at this point, the ball is in Mike Trout's court. And like we've talked about multiple times on this show, I just don't see him wanting out. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's okay. First of all, let's let's no offense to Bob Nightingale, but he was the one who reported that might, that, uh, yeah, I almost called him Mike Judge. Wow. That is not even the right universe. Um, Nightingale was the one that reported that Aaron Judge was going to the Giants. And, well, True. we all know how that turned out. So, 
Maybe we I should mean, take this with. True, it's Bob Nightingale. We should take this with a pinch yeah, of salt. Let's take this with a grain of salt um, because I haven't seen it from anybody else yet. So we don't. Assuming this is true, I get what you're saying about Mike Trout. We know Mike Trout. I mean, obviously he's he's a loyal guy. He's he's stuck with the Angels all this time, even though they have been, you know, for the most part, they've been awful uh, and haven't even, you know. I mean, what? They've made the playoffs once in Mike Trout's tenure in Anaheim, I think. Uh, the Angels have been terrible since Mike Trout has been there. They've wasted his prime. Um, sure, he's a loyal guy, but I don't know, man. When you get to the point, you know, Mike Trout's Mike Trout's not a spring chicken anymore. I mean, he's not. I mean, he's still got some good years left at him, but i got to be honest. If I'm Mike Trout, I'm I'm going, yeah, I want to go somewhere and win a ring. Yeah, and I can't necessarily say that I disagree with that frame of thinking, but I don't know. I just I don't know if I see Mike Trout being that kind of guy. You think he stays put? I I think he I think he's he seems like the kind of guy that would want to stay in the same organization that drafted him. Even with no 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 hope of never mind winning a World Series, probably no hope of making the playoffs in the foreseeable future. Um, but despite that, you think he stays put, even though he's let's be honest, the chances of him winning a ring in in Anaheim are slim to none. Yeah, but again, the ball's in his court. We've never we haven't even heard a whisper of him potentially wanting out of Anaheim in the first place. It's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, have there, I don't, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I ever remember hearing any kind of trade rumors and following Mike Trout. No, never. I, I don't either. Ever. I mean, since he's been with the angels, which, you know, has been, has been quite a while, obviously. Um, I don't know. This is this is this is tricky because on one hand, I'm like, okay, you know, he's probably maybe he wants to go somewhere. I mean, he's 32. All right, so he's been with the Angels since since 2011, his whole career. I mean, he's he's racked up the individual uh, accomplishments: 11-time All Star, three-time AL MVP. Three-time All MLB First Team. He was the Rookie of the Year in 2012. He's won the Silver Slugger nine times. Uh, Hank Aaron Award twice. He was the AL RBI leader in 2014 and the Stolen Base leader in 2012. And oh, by the way, led Team USA to a silver medal at last year's W. At, well, this year's WBC, I guess. So he's racked up the individual achievements. Um. I don't know, man. This is I. I don't. I don't really know what to make of this. Because uh, on one hand, I'm looking at him going, "Well, if he hasn't tried to get out of LA before, maybe he's, maybe he's just content to you know to rack up his his individual numbers and and I mean he's obviously happy in Anaheim. Uh, I just, but on the other hand, I feel like at some point, you know, as he gets, I mean, he's 32. So in baseball terms, that's, you know, it's not old, 
But in baseball terms, he's sort of on the back nine of his baseball career. And I, I don't know, maybe maybe winning – this is this sounds crazy even to say it, but maybe winning a championship isn't – you know, maybe it's not high on his list of priorities. Yeah, it's very possible. Again, the, the ball is completely in his court. It is, it's definitely, I think, something that we'll need to kind of wait and see if he ends up actually – requesting a trade but but you don't you don't see it happening personally no Hmm. yeah i mean i i can i can see that you know i mean he's he's played in one place this long i mean leaving 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 the angels and going somewhere else you know to chase a ring uh leaving the angels would be that would be a huge adjustment after spending, you know, the last 12 years, I don't know. It, this, this reminds me of, this reminds me of Albert Pujols. All right. So Pujols plays, you know, he's, he's a saint, you know, he's, he's with the Cardinals for all those years and then decides nah, you know, the Cardinals kind of drop off a little bit and then he decides, you know, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go elsewhere. You know, I'm going to take my talents elsewhere. Um, course pools ended up coming back to the cardinals eventually but pools went out i don't know if he was necessarily chasing ring but pools went out and and didn't do much of you know didn't do much of anything uh with with his other what he played for the didn't didn't pools play for the angels at one point Oh yes, that was where he went. That was where he signed the big free agent contract with. Right, right, after right. After the Cardinals, and then he uh, played. I think uh, had a season maybe with the Dodgers, with the Dodgers before going back to the Cardinals. Yeah. So my point is, Albert Pujols found out very quick. You know, found out in. I mean, he was. Let's see. Yeah, ten years with the Cardinals, uh, nine years with the Angels where they obviously didn't win anything. We had one season with the Dodgers in 2021. Um, I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, I mean, Pujols, Pujols found out that, hey, the grass isn't greener on the other, you know, isn't always greener on the other side. And, and maybe that's where Mike Trout's at. He's going, yeah, I could go chase a ring somewhere else, but, uh, you know, I'm I'm content to stay here. Yeah, that could very well be his thought process at this point and can't necessarily say I blame him. It's not an easy decision. No, definitely not. Um, but also something that we'll definitely be keeping an eye on. Um, and I guess, like I said, we'll, we'll kind of wait and see if... Because uh, as of now, I haven't seen anyone else uh, report this. So I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll wait and see if somebody if somebody else uh, confirms it. So, or if the Angels themselves or something, I don't know. We'll see. Um, so, from the Angels, Carson, we go to the Nationals, and I've been following the story pretty closely. And I honestly, I just this is a this is the WTF moment for me. So, um, the Nationals. So, Steven Strasburg announced he was retiring. Um, the Nationals had apparently planned a press conference, a retirement press conference, 
and they said that Strasburg would be paid the remaining amount on his contract, which comes out to about $105 million uh, in deferred payments through 2029. And then out of nowhere, no explanation, no nothing. They canceled the press conference, and they went back on their deal with Strasburg. And what the hell is going on in D.C.? Yeah, very interesting situation, this. Um, I don't know if something happened. I don't know if there's some sort of bad blood here, but uh, something, something obviously happened. Somebody ticked somebody off to the point where this is happening. Well, I, I did some digging, and this isn't the first unusual, this isn't the first head-scratching decision the Nationals have made. Um, I mean, we talked about a, what, a couple weeks ago, maybe, uh, they renewed Davey Martinez's contract as manager. Uh, their GM, uh, is it Mike Rizzo? Yeah, I think so. Uh, is still without a contract headed towards the end of this year. They're just making all kinds of, they're making all kinds of weird decisions in DC. And I mean, if I'm Steven Strasburg, I'm, I'm, I'm mad as hell. Yeah, it's this is very odd, and especially because, as far as I know, like they, Strasburg has been on good terms with the Nationals. I haven't heard anything about. Nope. I haven't necessarily heard anything. I mean, obviously, this has got to come down to money, right? Like it, it's it's got to come down to what exactly this contract, what exactly this contract is going to do, what is going to happen with with that that's that's got to be what this comes down to um so i just i found this article that i was reading yesterday uh yeah it was two weeks ago that strasburg announced his retirement after 14 years of the nationals um the nationals have called off a news conference planned for uh actually it was planned for this for yesterday, well, yesterday for us, for Saturday, um, because they have not finalized key details on a settlement for Strasburg's retirement. Um, uh, targeting Saturday is the day Strasburg's plans reportedly haven't wavered, but it could there's it the two sides not. Okay, so basically they 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 had this deal, and it doesn't sound like it was a done deal. Um. Uh, let's see. So when an MLB player re- decides to retire while still under contract with a team, he gives up the rest of the money owed him on that contract, unless he and the team were agreeing on a settlement, usually for a little less than what was owed to the players. Uh, it would be advantageous for the Nationals for him to retire and take a settlement. Yeah, I mean, the day, Strasburg, Steven Strasburg is never going to pitch again. So I don't understand... I'm really, I'm really kind of hazy on where the Nationals are. With, I mean, yeah, it sounds like it comes down to money. It sounds like Strasburg wants, you know, he wants his fair share, and the Nationals don't want to do that. Yeah, something the the team clearly had had other thoughts in mind with this with this settlement. But all that we can really hope for is that it's something that can be easily resolved and. Uh, they can go on celebrating him as planned. Uh, well, here we go. 
this might be the not helping the Nationals. So Strasburg signed a Strasburg signed a seven year, two hundred and forty five million dollar deal after twenty in after the Nationals won the World Series in twenty nineteen. Uh, he's in the fourth year of that seven year contract. Um. Yeah, I mean, and and obviously the injury stuff is he's made eight starts in four years, you know, because of injuries. I mean, he's he's yeah, he's not going to pitch again. Um, yeah, so the the Nationals owe him three and a half years and thirty five million dollars. Uh, but here's here's I think where we're where the Nationals ran into a problem. Uh, not helping the Nationals. Strasburg's contract was reportedly not insured. Uh, teams mm. usually take out insurance policies to protect themselves from the possibility of a mega contract getting shredded by injuries, like in this case. But the Nationals allegedly decided to go without protection given the extremely high premiums Strasburg inju- Strasburg's injury history would have required. Well, no, duh, the dude's got a history of injuries. Of course the premiums are going to be high. So the Nationals basically, the Nationals screwed themselves in this situation. Hmm. That's actually really interesting. Yeah, they have nobody to blame but themselves. Ugh, this is you know this is the ugly side of sports. This is the ugly side of of all this. Hmm, that's interesting. This is so messed up. Uh, Agreed. But if I'm understanding this right, which you know, I, I'd like to think I am. It sounds like Strasburg has most of is Strasburg has all the leverage here, or most of the leverage, even if he's not able to pitch again. Um, because it sounds like the Nationals want him to keep trying rehab and keep trying to Nationals. He is not going to pitch again. He's done. Uh, if he tries to keep, if he keeps pushing himself. I mean that's basically what happened. He kept he kept trying and kept pushing himself to, you know, to get back out there and you know, I mean it just it just made it worse. Um yeah. Uh a settlement would free Strasburg from any more painful rehab and save the Nationals and not small chunk of change. Um but there were no firm reports on what Strasburg settlement looked like at the time his retirement was initially reported. <sighs> What a mess. Uh, and now to build on that, this is uh, apparently sparked a renewal in uh, calls for the nationals to sell the team. Uh, the learners, I think are the owners, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So this is, like I said, this is just the latest in a really bizarre turn of events for the nationals and has renewed calls uh, from fans and the DC sports media for the learners to sell a team. So uh, that's something we'll be keeping an eye on, obviously. Um, yeah, what a mess. I mean, hopefully, I mean, I guess I guess the best we could do is, is hope that everything gets worked out, that Steven Strasburg, you know, gets his fair share. He gets paid what he's owed. Um, you know, it's... it. <laughs> It, it 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 brings up that thing for me that you know Carson I think you and I have talked about before is 
sometimes it's easy for us to forget that these players are, you know, they're not they're not robots, they're not androids, they're human beings. And you can only push a human body so far. And the Nationals, it sounds like the Nationals just kept pushing and pushing and pushing with Steven Strasburg. And eventually he's at the point where his body has just given out and he'll never pitch again. Yeah, which really sucks because just, you know, if if not for the injury, if not for the injury history too, Steven Strasburg, I think, is a Hall of Fame pitcher. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no 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 doubt whatsoever yeah 100 percent uh well what a mess what a fine mess um that just that just makes me mad anyways moving on i guess um more bad man this is just the more bad news. Uh, bad news for the Dodgers. Carson, their ace, Walker Bueller. Uh, the team announced, the team and Bueller announced the other day, uh, announced Friday, actually, that he is not he's not coming back this season. He won't pitch again in 2023, including the upcoming playoffs. Um, obviously, now losing Walker Bueller and all the BS going on with Julio Urias. Uh, the Dodgers pitching staff is not, not in good shape. No, not at all. And it's going to make the postseason very interesting for the Dodgers and for poor Dodgers fans. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Poor Dodgers fans. Um, and didn't they already lose? Didn't they lose Tony Gonsolin already too? I believe so. Yeah, Tony Gonsolin had Tommy John surgery, so he's toast, man. Um, yeah, this is obviously, I mean, this sucks. You never want to see a guy get hurt, especially you never like to see players get hurt, especially uh, somebody with the skill level, talent level of Walker Buehler. Um, so this is obviously, this is a big blow for the Dodgers, a big blow for their pitching staff, a big blow for them just in general, and... Uh, I don't think it's going out, you know, going out too far on a limb to say that this 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 is going to send ripples through the entire National League uh, playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll for sure see the effects as as the playoffs kind of start to take shape and we figure out who exactly the Dodgers would be going against. I mean, at this point, um, actually. Let's take a let's take a quick glance at these standings. Uh, I mean, at this point, I think it's pretty much a safe bet that the Dodgers are. Let's see. Come on. I mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, the Dodgers all but have the NL West uh, locked up, so that's not that's not anything to worry about. Uh, and in terms of, oh, here we go. Yeah, I mean, we're 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 getting down to the real. Well, yeah, I mean, barring a. 
barring a, a serious collapse, the Dodgers are the Dodgers look seem to be a lock to lock up the number two spot in the National League, which means they won't have to play that first weekend. They'll they'll get that first weekend off. They won't have to play until the division series. Um, but that also means they'll get the winner of let's see, uh, Cubs. They'll get the winner of the Phillies and the Cubs. Uh, if I mean, depending on how things shake out, we've still got a little ways to go. But um, that is that is not good news uh, for in Dodgerland, Carson. No, and especially with you know you've got the division in hand, but you you still got to heal up for this oh. postseason run. Uh, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I just look at the updated postseason if the season ends it today bracket thing. Uh, the Dodgers would be the two seed and would get the winner of the Brewers and the Diamondbacks. I mean, still not an easy task. No, neither one of those would be. I mean, there's... <laughs> yeah. Man, these, these playoffs are going to be brutal. There's no... There's no easy... None of these teams, even the even the teams with that, you know, first round by that go straight to the division series. None of these teams have an easy path. Um, so obviously the Braves will probably end up being the one seed. The Braves would face the winner of the Phillies and the Cubs. That's not easy. The, the Dodgers, like I said, will face the winner of the Brews and the Diamondbacks. Not easy. Uh, over in the American League, the Orioles will either get the Rays or the Mariners at this point. Not easy. And the Astros will either get the Twins or the Blue Jays. Again, like, uh, I know I sound like a broken record, Carson, but these this year's playoffs might be, these are going to be the closest, most hotly contested playoffs I think uh, we maybe have ever seen. Yeah, 100% agree. And it should be it should be a lot of fun. And it's all because Major League Baseball finally smartened the hell up and expanded the wild card. Um, adding that, adding that sixth team, and getting rid of the stupid one-game wild card playoff. I know my illustrious co-host was a uh, is a proponent was a was a fan of the one-game wild card game, um, but. Uh, adding that six team and making the wild card a best two out of three just open things wide open. So, um, and Carson, I think the other thing looking at this year's and the team this year and the teams that are likely to make the playoffs this year, there's not, you know, in years past, there's always been one, one or two teams that we've looked at and been like, yeah, that team's unstoppable. Nobody's going to beat them. Uh, you know, this team's, but looking at the landscape this year, I don't. There's not one dominant team that looks, you know, invincible. Yeah, and it's going to be, it'll truly be interesting to kind of see how everything shakes out because it's, the the landscape will change. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. Uh, so buckle up, everybody, because it's coming. Uh, you know, it's September. We're in just about into the second week of September here, which means we've only got a few weeks to go. So, um, it's it's gonna be wild. All right. Uh, yeah, let's take a break. Um, and when we come back, we have 
another installment of Otani Watch. The eighth inning stretch is proudly presented by Printer Dudes, your one-stop shop for the coolest 3D printed toys and collectibles this side of home plate. Use promo code HOMERUN, that's one word, at printerdudes.etsy.com and save 10% off your order. That's Printer Dudes, D-O-O-D-S. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show, uh, into our middle segment. And Carson, that means it's time for another edition of Otani Watch. Yes, we're we're going to have to find like a theme song or something for, <laughs> know, for right? Otani Watch segment. Some kind of sound effect or something. Yeah, you're right, we do. Maybe the, um, maybe, you know, something like that, I don't know. Um, anyways, so last episode we were talking about uh Jim Bowden had kind of you know done his done his homework and narrowed down you know hey these are the teams that are going to be all in on Otani uh well now Mr. Bowden has outdone himself and he has surveyed uh a group of MLB executives um about Shohei Otani's potential contract um I mean, not surprisingly, Shohei Otani is a popular topic of conversation among the MLB execs. Um, but Carson, there's his his injury, his elbow injury, and the questions of whether or not he'll be able to pitch again. Uh, it, there's there's a little disagreement over over his value on the open market. Um, yeah, I, it, so. Essentially, what the, the the gist of this thing? Uh, so yeah, Jim Bowden talked with more than a dozen executives and decision makers. Uh, obviously, this whole thing was anonymous. Um, yeah, I mean, no surprise. There's there's a mixed reaction from from the front offices. Uh, you know, some think his his deal could start north of Aaron Judge's three hundred and sixty billion that he got last year, um, and then include incentives and whatnot to get him to the five hundred six million range. But before the elbow injury, we were talking about him starting at the five hundred six hundred million range. Yeah, and it's it's still kind of crazy to think that the Angels have potentially cost him hundreds of millions of dollars, but he's also cost himself hundreds of millions of dollars by continuing to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something we talked about. You know, is it is it you know is it the smartest move to continue to play DH even with this elbow injury because. You know, sure, you might not be putting as much strain on that elbow hitting, but you're still putting strain on your body. Yeah, so, yeah, so, <sighs> this is nuts. Um, the other thing the exec said, talking about the, okay, so a lot of them said, you know, he'll start in the 300, and he'll start in the Aaron Judge range, and then, you know, maybe with incentives and whatnot, get to the 506 million range. Um, but that... These a lot of these execs have said Carson that the whether or not he's even able to get to that five hundred six million dollar five hundred five hundred six hundred million dollar range is dependent on whether or not he can return to the mound. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's obviously the, the <laughs> by far the big outlier right now. I mean, everything quite literally everything is riding on whether. Shohei Otani is able to return to the mound because if he can't, it sounds like 
you know, again, and this isn't every executive in MLB, and we obviously don't know who these people are, but um, it sounds like the sort of the consensus among MLB execs is if if this dude can't, I mean, he's 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 going to be able to play DH for you, but if he's not able to return to the mound and be the two way player that he is now. Uh, he's he's gonna take a hit in the. I mean, he's still gonna get paid, um, and he'll still he'll still deserve. He'll still be worthy of every penny a team spends on him. But uh, he it sounds like Otani San's gonna take a little hit in the wallet if he's not able to pitch again. Yeah, and uh, it certainly mm. would not be certainly would not be good if Mm-mm. if that were to happen. Um, so they go on to say that a few execs from larger markets, okay, we know Boston, New York, LA, uh, you know, the, the big boys. Um, wow. Yeah. Execs from larger market, a few execs from larger markets said that it'll take half a billion at least, uh, just to get him, even if he can't pitch again, which you know, good for the larger markets, but, uh, you know, I mean, obviously he's going to be the best available player on the market this winter. He's pretty much the face of Major League Baseball at this point. He's a star. He's got, you know, international appeal. I don't know, man. Even if I'm a, even if I'm a GM of a bigger market teams, you know, if I'm a GM in Boston or New York or L.A. or one of the, you know, one of the big markets, half a half a bill uh half a billion dollars for just i mean yeah i know he's showy it's honey but half a bill uh if he's not and he can't pitch again i I don't know that's a lot of money it is a lot of money it's and i'm not i i i want to be crystal clear to everybody i'm not i'm not putting i'm not picking on show you on here i'm just saying half a million to commit that kind of money uh to to i mean he's still show hitani he's still going to be able to hit for you but that's a big commitment uh if he's not able to bring that added value of being able to take the mound for you every five days yeah it's um it's a, it's definitely a lot of there's going to be a lot of thinking in a lot of these teams war rooms when it comes to sign, signing Shohei Otani that's for sure. And yeah. you know, we we talked about a lot of the teams last episode that we could potentially see him go to, how many of them could potentially drop out because of this fact. Which that's mind blowing that we're even having this conversation because it wasn't long ago that we were, you know, we were talking about that report that came out that said Shohei Otani could fetch, you know, somewhere in the seven hundred million dollar range, and now, uh, I don't know, man. This is, um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna go through this whole thing. You guys can read this piece yourself. It's on the it's on the Athletic. Um, they Bowden goes on to talk about, you know, what GMs are thinking in terms of. You know, where is Otani want to go to go? You know, it sounds like he prefers to stay on the West Coast, but um, he's obviously going to have to factor in, you know, his best place to win a championship. Um, you know, because obviously 
winning is important. So anyways, um, Bowden, Mr. Bowden goes on to, based on all these interviews he did and everything, uh, based on this, you know, all the, all the conversations he had with the MLB execs, uh, these are the top 10 most likely landing spots for Shohei Asani. Um, I'll go through these and then, oh boy, are we ever going to have stuff to talk about? Uh, so these are, these are, Bowden put these in order from number one to number 10. So, well, the first one is going to make my co-host smile, uh, because it's the Dodgers. Uh, number two is the Texas Rangers. Three, the Seattle Mariners. Told you so. Uh, four is the Mets. Five is the Red Sox. Six, the San Diego Padres. Seven, the San Francisco Giants. Eight, the Chicago Cubs. Nine, the Philadelphia Phillies, and ten, the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, all right, let's just get it out of the way. Go ahead and gloat about the Dodgers. Ha! <laughs> Go it's ahead, get it out of if, your system. It's almost as if the world knew that I am a baseball genius and know that Shohei Otani wants to win, but also wants to stay on the West Coast. If only there was a team that could match both of those things and he could have a potential National League MVP in center field. What team would that be? Oh, that's right. The Los Angeles Dodgers, which I I will go on record saying it. Shohei Otani will be wearing Dodger blue come next fall. Uh, I hate to, as much as I hate to rain on your parade and blow up all the floats, um, the Dodgers are perilously close to the luxury tax threshold. Um, so basically, ironically enough, uh, an arbiter's decision to reduce Trevor Bauer's suspension ended up pushing them into the luxury tax, which is really ironic and really sucks for Dodgers fans. Um, well, I mean, maybe, God, please not the Dodgers, uh, the Texas Rangers, this, I, mm. I mean, it's no secret, Carson, that the Rangers have been on a free agent spending spree the last couple of winters, Jacob deGrom, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, uh, you know, how about how about a Rangers lineup featuring Semyon Seeger, Adolis Garcia, Josh Young, and Shohei Otani? Yowza. That would be Right. Uh, Just give be, them the damn trophy. Yeah, no kidding. Like that would be that would be phenomenal. I mean, if they if they're if they're pitching, if they're starting pitching, stays healthy. Oh, oh, and you know, and if, if Shohei Otani is able to pitch again, add Shohei Otani to that rotation, build up the bullpen, and look out because the Texas Rangers, uh, the Texas you want we were just talking about unstoppable teams. The Texas Rangers would be a juggernaut. Yeah, they would absolutely be a juggernaut, but. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the way that this season has gone for the Rangers, mm. I don't. Maybe this causes them to maybe be a little bit more cautious, take a step back. You don't necessarily need a big piece; just get a few depth guys, and life should be good. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same thing about the Rangers. I don't. I don't know. Depending on, I mean, they're they're in da- they're in legitimate danger of missing the playoffs this year, which 
a couple of months ago even would have been a ridiculous thought to even entertain, but here we are. Um, that could very well affect their their winter. Um, the Seattle Mariners. Hmm. Let's see. Young starting rotation. Uh, that would be bolstered by Shohei Otani. It's assuming he can pitch again. Um, bonafide superstar in Julio Rodriguez. Uh, that could be a a Julio Rodriguez Shohei Otani duo. Carson, we could be that. That to me would put the would put that duo would be on the same level as Betts and Freeman, and maybe even Acuna and and Matt Olson. Yeah, that would be that would really be something. Uh, not to mention, Ichiro is. I mean, Oshoe Otani is very good friends with uh, Ichiro. Oh, by the way. Um, so I don't know, maybe Ezra does a little recruiting this winter, uh, and, uh, you know, lures, uh, lures Mr. Otani to the Pacific Northwest. Oh man, that would be insane. Uh, the New York Mets. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's not going to happen. Uh, I think we could probably both agree that the Mets aren't going to be anywhere near this thing after the absolute train wreck that this season was. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to be either because I don't think they're going to focus on trying to contend next season. I think they're waiting potentially more for 2025. I mean, didn't Steve Cohen basically say as much, you know, that, oh, we're looking ahead to 2025. So, sorry, Mets fans, but Shohei Itani is not going to be playing for the Mets. Hmm. Which brings us to number five on the list. My beloved Boston Red Sox. Hmm. Well. I I don't really. I. They can make it work financially. That's not the problem. Uh, but I'm hesitant, Carson, because my Red Sox have a shall we say, questionable past, questionable history with signing big-name free agents, Carl Crawford, Pablo Sandoval, you know, uh, Adrian Beltre. I mean, I could go on, but I don't think I have to. As much as I would love to see Shohei Ontani in a Red Sox uniform, I, I, I just, I don't think it's a good fit. Yeah, I don't really think I don't really think it's a necessarily a good fit either. It's no, I just uh, no, I, I I would, and all my fellow Red Sox fans out there are going, "Are you crazy?" Yeah, I'm crazy. I don't want them spending five hundred mil. I know he's Shohei Otani, but that that kind of money could be spent much. You know, Carson, I, I think the thing maybe something that we've been overlooking in all this reckless speculation about oh who's gonna sign Shohei Otani uh signing a player to signing any player to this kind of this kind of contract the kind of contract that Shohei Otani is most likely gonna get that kind of you know depending on your on how the rest of your contracts are structured 
that that kind of hamstrings you a little bit financially. Yeah, very, very much that, so. That limits the amount of money you can spend on other players. Yeah. And I just, you know, like, here's another, you know, number six, the Padres. I just, I don't, first of all, I don't think that move makes any sense for the Padres. They've already spent so much. Uh, they went and spent money on Xander Bogarts. They've got Manny Machado. They've got Juan Soto. They've got Yu Darvish. The Padres are, I look at the Padres and I know they've had a crappy season this year and they didn't live up to anyone's expectations, especially their own this year. But the Padres, I look at as a as a if it ain't broke, don't fix it team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I just uh, yeah, I don't. That doesn't make any sense to me. The Giants. I mean, the Giants were prepared to go. The Giants went all in on Aaron Judge, uh, except they got you know undercut by the Yankees. They Carlos Correa had one foot in a you know, a Giants jersey before all the injury stuff happened. Uh, the Giants have the financial resources to go after a player like Otani. Um, but if I'm Shohei Otani, I look at the Giants and they're not, they're not a championship caliber team yet. No, but Shohei Otani would certainly make them that. But again, oh, I, don't yeah. know, I don't know if he would want a team to have the structure for him to win already put in place. I mean, I don't think he's want to. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to end up in another situation like he's in now with the Angels, where you know every year it's like, oh, you know, you know, he gets the wait till next year, you know, every year, and I. I mean, the Giants are good. The Giants are really, really good. And Shohei Otani would definitely give, would definitely move them in the right direction. Um, I, I just, I don't see the Giants in position to win, to seriously compete for a championship for a little while. So, um, the Cubs. Yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure why. I just, I don't see Shohei Otani in a Cubs uniform. Yeah, I don't I don't think so either. That that's a little bit far fetched. I don't yeah, I don't think that's a I I don't think that's the right I don't think I just I don't think that's a good fit. Uh the Phillies mm, no, same for the Phillies. I (sighs) Yeah, no. I don't although Dave Dombrowski, uh the, the Phillies GM whatever was the GM of the Red Sox when he signed the Pablo Sandoval contract. So Carson, Dave Dombrowski doesn't shy away from astronomically large contracts. Yeah, no, he does not. That's that is for that is for certain when it comes to Mr. Dave Dombrowski. Um, the only problem, the only potential problem I see for the Phillies is kind of the same problem that Do- the Dodgers have. The Phillies already have some huge contracts uh on their books so yeah I, mm, sorry phillies fans and then this last one <laughs> i i mean i was reading this yesterday i went the, the who what the toronto blue jays uh okay <laughs> i i don't even know 
this is just this one is just if you'll pardon the baseball pun, ladies and gentlemen. This one is so far out of left field. The Blue Jays. Hmm, that's certainly an. I mean, it's certainly an interesting spot. It is, but. I don't know, man. Like, I. I mean, I think. I mean, sure. I I, I guess, but uh, if I'm the Blue Jays, I'm looking at not necessarily dropping half a mil on Shohei Otani. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to lock down. Uh, I'm trying to lock down Bo Bichette and Vlad Jr. before I'm thinking about looking at anybody else. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think they need to worry about that first before they, you know, lock up, lock down your two, you know, your two young superstars before you think about, you know, free agency. I don't know. Maybe. Um, and then last but not least, Bowden goes on and gives us five possible surprise teams that could land Otani. And in other words, these are five teams that don't have a snowball's chance in hell. Uh, the Yankees, the Braves, the Astros, the Nationals, and the Cardinals. Uh, yeah. I mean, if we were talking about the Yankees 10 years ago, you know, when they were the eve, you know, during the height of their evil empire days, Carson, I could absolutely see the Yankees going after Otani, but the Yankees are a hot mess right now. Yeah, they are, uh, they're struggling. And, uh, with with all the money they're paying Aaron Judge, I don't know if they'd have enough to exactly. go after another big. Uh, Judge is not their only big contract. They have Judge, they have Garrett Cole, and they have Carlos Rodon on the books. Oh, Carlos Rodon. That yeah. one's coming back to bite him a little bit, but. Yeah, I mean, if, like I said, if we were talking the Steinbrenner, you know, the, the George Steinbrenner days, I would probably the Yankees would be at the top of this list because Steinbrenner just frankly just didn't give a damn uh, and just threw away, you know, just handed out contracts like, you know, handed out candy on Halloween. But yeah, no, I don't I don't. The Braves now, nah, I think the Braves are another one. I don't see Shohei Otani playing there Two, uh, the Braves have a. I think the the Braves heavy. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. The Braves are frankly, the Braves are good enough to win without Otani. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think they need Shohei Otani at this point. They've got enough. They've got enough great yeah. pitching and hitting on that lineup up and down that I don't think they'd need him. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't see the Braves. Uh, the Astros, no. The Astros, the Astros stay away from the long term contracts. You know. There's a reason Carlos Correa uh, and George Springer, you know, didn't get long-term deals from the Astros. Yeah. I just, yeah. The Nationals, nope, never happened. Uh, not while the learners are in charge. Um, I mean, they are in the midst of a rebuild. The rebuild seems to be going well, but as we talked about earlier, the, the Nationals are are also a hot mess. Um, and the last of these surprising teams that could land Otani, the St. Louis Cardinals. And I have to admit, when I think about teams that could land Otani, the St. Louis Cardinals did not pop to mind. 
but I, I, I actually, as weird as as weird as it sounds, as weird as Otani to the Cardinals, I, I actually kind of like it. Yeah, I like it too. Um, you you want to talk about a team that's retooling instead of rebuilding? That would be certainly one way to do it. And if if Shohei Otani is able to pitch again, uh, I mean, I think he goes right to the top of that rotation. I think he's an ace for the Cardinals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that said, I think it's probably more likely that the Cardinals, because the Cardinals have the money, uh, I think it's more likely that the Cardinals, the Cardinals seem to have, the Cardinals sort of seem to take the approach of of spreading the money out a little bit. Um, the Cardinals have never really been a team to drop a massive amount of money on one player. They tend to spread it out over three or four players. Yeah, and they they definitely share share the wealth. That's for sure. Yeah, so I mean, maybe not, but I I I don't know. I actually kind of like it. Uh, so, anyways, that is the latest on Otani watch. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know what else we can really say about. I mean, show here this this winter. Uh, and 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 Shohei Otani and where he ends up and whether he can pitch again. Uh, this is going to be the most closely watched, highly anticipated uh, free agent winter hot stove season uh, pretty much ever. Yeah, it's going to be nuts for sure. I mean, at least that I can remember. I don't ever remember... I don't even know the last the last player I remember was uh, talk about irony. The last player I remember being this much there being this much buzz around headed into a winter headed into the off season uh, was back in two thousand three when a Rod was a free agent, um, and you know to the surprise of no one it came down to the Red Sox and the Yankees. He ended up with the Yankees, and well, you know the rest is history. Um, boy, the Red Sox really dodged one there. Uh, anyways, yeah, this winter is going to be nuts. Um, there are plenty of other, I mean, Shohei Otani is obviously the big fish, but there are plenty of other, uh, there's no shortage of big names that are going to hit the market this winter. And, um, yeah, it's going to be wild. All right, let's take our last break. Uh, and when we come back, we'll play buy or sell and get into the mailbag. The eighth inning stretch is proudly presented by Printerdoos, your one-stop shop for the coolest 3D printed toys and collectibles this side of home plate. Use promo code HOMERUN, that's one word, at printerdudes.etsy.com and save 10% off your order. That's Printerdudes, D-O-O-D-S. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Uh, and believe it or not, we're into our third and final segment. Man, these episodes just go by so fast. Uh, and that means it's time for my favorite part of the show. It's time for buy or sell. Uh, so let's dive in, uh, Carson. The Miami Marlins. Well, <laughs> oh, the Miami Marlins. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, Jorge Soler, both on the IL. Um, obviously... You know, it's never a good time to get injured, but especially not 
uh, as your team's in the midst of a playoff race. Uh, so buy yourself that the Marlins are toast without Alcantara and Soler. I mean, buy as if they haven't already been toast for a little while, but... Um, <laughs> Sorry, Marlins fans. <laughs> but yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's been rough sliding this year for all the Marlins, basically yeah. except for Larissa Rise. It feels like this year. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just I don't foresee the Marlins coming back from this. Um, you know, they're still very much in the wild card. Crazier things have happened, but. Those are two guys that you're going to need for a postseason push. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm buying this too as as much as it kills me. You know, and I kind of feel like we've sort of talked about it on and off all year, but it, I mean, Sandy Alcantara struggled at the beginning of the year. I mean, he struggled all year, but we, we both kind of sat here and like, okay, Sandy, you know, when when are you, when is he going to get back to his you know his his Cy Young form and it just never happened and now and now he's out yeah I mean the Marlins are a half game behind the Diamondbacks for the uh for the third and final wild card spot in the NL but um you know this is the I mean easier said as I'm not a Marlins fan but Carson this feels like a situation where yeah you want your team to make the playoffs but you kind of don't want to make the playoffs because no Sandy Alcantara, no Jorge Soler. The Marlins, the Marlins, you know, aren't aren't going anywhere without either one of those guys. Yeah, it's well, it certainly is going to be an interesting saga for the Marlins. But again, crazier things have definitely happened, and it's not as if they're not out of the wild card race at all. True. Yeah. Um. Speaking of teams that are, <laughs> oh man, uh, I'm gonna get my butt kicked for this. Um, <laughs> speaking of teams that are on the outside looking in, uh, segue the Texas Rangers. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! Uh, I mean, they were in first place for basically the whole season, and now, I mean, they have won two in a row, but they've also lost three, seven of the last ten. And man, the the, the Rangers are just in in free fall. Um, so <laughs> they decided, Hey, let's call up our top prospect, Evan Carter, uh, buy or sell that the Rangers calling up Evan Carter is a desperation move. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't necessarily think that this is a desperation move. Um, so I guess I'm going to sell on that part. Um, mm. you know, it's, it's September, September call-ups are very much a thing. Um, mm. and you know, this is a chance for them to see these young guys, even though they're still in the midst of a playoff push, you know, who knows? We've seen September call-ups come up and play a huge role in a team's playoff push, make the playoff roster and then become regulars from there on in. So uh, as far as this being a desperation move, I I'm going to sell. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is a good point about September call-ups. I mean, uh, Dustin Pedroia, anyone? September call up. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, September call up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it it feels. Yeah, I know, I know. September call ups. I know you're all out there going. You know, they probably would have called him up anyways, and you're probably right. Uh, but I, ugh, I'm gonna 
yeah. Uh, now I I I have to buy on this one because I I feel like it 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 feels I know September call ups and prospects and yada 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 and all that stuff, but it feels it feels a bit desperate. Like, and I am obviously not privy to the inner workings of the Texas Rangers organization. They may have looked at Evan Carter and been like, "Yeah, this dude's ready for the show." Entirely possible, but I feel like I mean they're in they're in the free folliest of free falls, Carson, and calling up your top prospect as you're in the midst of this you know epic collapse. I is I don't know it. I don't I can't face I can't say for sure that it was a desperation move. It just it feels a bit desperate to me. Yeah, that's fair. If that um, makes sense. No, I think that's a. I think that's certainly a fair feeling, just because of the situation right now that the Rangers are in. Yeah. Um, yeah, things are not. Uh, the stars at night are not big and bright, even in the heart of Texas right now. Um, anyways, uh, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper comes back from comes back way sooner than anyone thought uh, from his injury. He. The Phillies have been he's been playing at, at first base um, and I guess not really to the surprise of anyone. He's been I mean, Bryce Harper is Bryce Harper. He's going to play well just about anywhere you put him. Um, but he's been playing exceptionally well defensively at third base. Uh, so Carson Byers sell that Bryce Harper can win a gold glove at first base. Oh, I'm going to sell this because it is very hard to transition from a position to a position and nonetheless become an award winning player at said position. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess for, for right now, I'm still kind of in the wait and see approach. So for, for that, I think I have to sell this. All good points. Um, I'm actually going to buy this one because uh, one, he's Bryce Harper Two. He's Bryce Harper. Three. Oh yeah, he's Bryce Harper. And four. Uh, Reese Hoskins, the Phillies' regular first baseman, has been out all year with an injury. Um, and if the Phillies decide, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, so you know, don't don't jump off any light, don't jump out of any lamp posts, Phillies fans. You know, uh, don't. I don't know. I, I was going to say don't break the Liberty Bell, but it's already broken. Um, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but if the Phillies decide to move on from Reese Hoskins, uh, you know, it's not too shabby to have Bryce Harper waiting in the wings to play first base for you. And Bryce Harper can do whatever the whatever Bryce Harper wants. And I could absolutely see him as maybe not. OK. Yeah, no, I could see him as a gold glove, at least a gold glove caliber first baseman. Yeah, Gold Club Caliber probably, yes. But I just I, I mean, don't know if I could see it happening. Winning the yeah, actually winning the Gold Glove. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I mean the competition's pretty stiff uh in that department in the uh in the National League. So I don't know, we'll see. It'll be that's 
I know Philly fans, I know you don't want to hear it, but that will be a storyline to keep an eye on this winter. So whether the Phillies, you know, decide to move on from Reese Hoskins, which I know sounds probably sounds ridiculous, but um I don't I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Uh and last but not least, Andrew McCutcheon injured, done for the year, um, in his his triumphant return to Pittsburgh. Um no indication whatsoever that he, I mean, every indication that he plans on playing in next year, which why the hell not? He's Andrew McCutcheon. Um, Beckers at buyer sell that McCutcheon will return to the pirates in 2024. I'll, I'll buy that. I think either, I think either this year or next year will kind of be his retirement tour. Mm. Um, so no no better way to do that than than with Pittsburgh, the organization that you spent so much time with for so many years. Yeah, I'm buying this too. I don't think he goes through all this. You know, yeah, sure, he left Pittsburgh for a while, you know, went to the Brewers, whatever. Uh yeah, I just I don't I don't think he went I don't think him and the Pirates went through all this, you know, uh all this stuff to bring him back only to turn around and um you know, for him to be like, oh, yeah, well, it was fun, guys. See you later. I'm going to go play somewhere else from what is quite possibly my last year. Yeah, I don't I don't see that happening. Um, yeah, McCutcheon will be a pirate in 2024. Uh, and the pirates, who knows? The, pi- the pirates might actually, um, you know, hopefully they're able to sustain their success a little bit longer this year than they were last year. Uh next year than this year i meant um all right into the mailbag we go uh logan from south carolina uh oh man your favorite team can only afford only afford shohei otani or yoshinobu yamamoto which one would you want them to sign Personally, this question ain't too hard. I still say Shohei Otani simply because he's proven it at the Major League Baseball level. Um, No disrespect to Yamamoto, uh, but coming as a Twins fan, I have seen plenty of guys come from the KBO or NPB and it just hasn't worked out for them. Like the, the twins had Siyoshi Nishioka many years ago. We tried to bring Byung Ho Park over here. Neither mm-hmm. one of them worked. So for, for right now, simply because he's proven it at the major league level, he's proven that he can hang with some of the best in the world. I, I got to go with Shohei still. I hate when you make valid points because it makes disagreeing with you so much harder. <laughs> Um, I think, I think I pretty much just gave away my answer. Um, and I kind of touched on this earlier when I said, you know, talking about the Red Sox and big contracts and yada, yada, yada. Um, for starters, uh, Yamamoto will probably cost about half of what Shohei Otani will, uh, which would give the Red Sox freedom to spend elsewhere, you know, over the next you know, a few years, whatever. Um, and two, uh, Yamamoto is four years younger than Otani, so you've got that going for you. And and maybe most importantly, and again, we don't know for sure. We we don't know for sure what's going to happen with Shohei Otani and his elbow injury. Um, but as it stands right now, Carson, uh, Yamamoto will actually be able to pitch next year, whereas Shohei Otani might not. 
Yeah, an excellent point. Um, it, it, yeah, you you got to think about it from that perspective too. Because if if Shohei Otani has, and we again we don't know, but if Shohei Otani does end up undergoing Tommy John surgery this winter, he won't be able to pitch until twenty twenty five. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And if you know if that ends up happening, things are not likely to to look good for the team that signs Shohei Otani, but I just, I can't argue against right now mm. the fact that he's done it at the major league level. Yeah, no, which is a totally valid point. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Otani is a proven quantity. Yamamoto, yeah, we don't know. I mean, he could come over here and be, uh, you know, Yamamoto could come over here and be, you know, and be a superstar. He could be the next Shohei Otani for all we know, which, you know, maybe we don't know. Uh, or he could come over here and be, you know, uh, I'm sorry. I hate to keep picking on him, but he could be another Daisuke Matsuzaka. A flash in the pan has one good year and then poof. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. But from a I'm trying to be as. As, as much as I want to be like, yeah, San Otani, San Otani, I'm trying to be as logical and, you know, level-headed as possible. And you can get this dude for half the price, you know, um, and we know for sure he'll be able to pitch next year. So we'll see. Um, Vicky from Nevada. Wow. Yeah. Vicky from Nevada. For a second, I thought said West Virginia. Uh, Vicky from Nevada, what teams do you guys think will be the biggest threat to the Dodgers and Braves in October? I mean, I still right now can't necessarily bet against the Phillies. I think that they've got a great mm-hmm. shot at it. Uh, going over to the American League side, Tampa Bay absolutely, I think, has a shot. Mm-hmm. Baltimore, I'm, I'm still cautious of, but... Um, mm-hmm. But if they can put it put it all together come postseason time, I think they absolutely could have a shot. But I'm still very skeptical on that. Um, so for mm. for me right now, I think my answer is on the American League side, Tampa Bay. Uh, on the National League side, I still believe in the Phillies. Yeah, I'm with you on the Phillies, especially uh, given the all the experience that they got under their belt from last year. Um, yeah, the Phillies are not, the Phillies are going to be a tough out. Um, I mean, I would, I look at that national and, you know, the season's not over yet, obviously we don't, the bracket's not set, but Carson, I look at that national league bracket and I don't see, I mean, especially that, I mean, the Dodgers are even, are even in, are in an even more precarious position because of their pitching staff. Um, I mean, the Braves are the Braves. Um, you know, the Phillies, the Diamond, you've got the Phillies, you've got the Diamondbacks, you've got the Cubs. Don't sleep on the Cubs. Um, the Brewers, the Brewers have been hot of late. I think, I think every other team, I think all the teams in the National League, the other, you know, the other four teams that are going to be in that bracket, uh, if things stay the way they are, which, you know, obviously they might not, but if the bracket is, if the bracket ends up looking like it does right now, uh, all four of those other teams, the Phillies, the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Diamondbacks are going to be a threat to the Dodgers and the Braves. Yeah, I would abs- I would absolutely agree with that, and those are fantastic picks. 
Uh, and I will go, I'll go one step further. I will go on record right now. And you all can bookmark this episode or whatever. Uh, I will go on record and say that one of these two teams, the Dodgers or the Braves, one of them will not get to the NLCS. Hmm. Interesting. Notice I'm not going to, I'm not going to commit and say which one. (laughs) Although if I were a betting man, I would bet on the Dodgers not making it to the NLCS simply for the fact that their pitching staff is. Hmm. So I don't know. I just, I know a lot, I've seen a lot of, you know, I've seen a lot of people, oh yeah, it's going to be a Dodgers-Braves NLCS. Mm, I don't think so. One of those teams will not make it, and it'll probably be the Dodgers. But, again, who knows? If the Braves end up having, if the Braves have to face the Phillies in the in NLDS, uh, I'll take the Phillies. So, anyways, again, we don't know. The bracket's not set yet. Almost, but not quite. Uh, Sarah from Ohio. Um, yeah, so a little background on this one. Uh, Terry Francona did tell reporters that he, quote unquote, feels like it's time and that signs are beginning to point to the fact that this could be Terry Francona's last year in Cleveland. And let's be honest, probably in baseball as a whole, which is really freaking depressing. Um, uh, so anyway, Sarah from Ohio, who I'm going to hazard a guess is a Guardians fan. Uh, do you think Terry Francona is a surefire Hall of Famer? For for me, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, 100%, I think, I think Tito deserves to go in the Hall, uh, manning some of, potentially some of the greatest teams of the modern era. Um, I, I think no mm-hmm. doubt about it, Tito deserves to go into the Hall. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't think there's any. Uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that Tito's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, you know, I mean, two-time World Series champ, he's won the AL Manager of the Year three times. You know, won won two titles with the Red Sox. Uh, obviously, um, you know, 2004 being the biggest one, and you know. I don't to me anyways, there's not a whole heck of a lot of managers out there uh, who would have been able to keep their team together um, and keep their team focused uh, going down three games to none in the ALCS against, let's be honest, one of the best teams the Yankees ever put on the field. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and he did. Yeah, 100% I'd agree with that. I mean, obviously the players still had to go out there and play, but uh, Tito kept them cool. He kept them focused. Uh, you know, and I even remember his press conference after game three when the, the Red Sox got their butts kicked 19 to 8, and it looked like it was over. Um, Tito just... You know, he sat there at, a, at the press conference after and, and basically said, hey, you know, yeah, this sucks, but we're going to come back tomorrow and play our asses off. And, well, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, so, I mean, two World, two World Series championships, Carson. He damn near got a third one in Cleveland in 2016. He almost ended, uh, almost helped end the Guardians, champ, the Indians slash Guardians championship drought. 
Um, yeah, I mean, if yeah, if if Tito's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, there's going to be problems. Fair enough. <laughs> I will personally, uh, yeah, no, me, and I won't be alone. Um, in player in in fans that are will express their outrage. I mean, and and I don't think. And all joking aside, I don't think there's any question either because the the Hall of Fame, the the baseball writers who, you know, it's the Baseball Writers Association who votes for the Hall of Fame, and uh, Tito's always been well liked and well respected um, by the baseball writers. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, anyways, yes. Uh, Sarah, to answer your question, Tito is a surefire, not just a surefire Hall of Famer, a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, And last but not least, Jackson from Arizona. Was Tommy Pham the steal of the trade deadline? I mean, the the way that he's been playing, he's certainly making a case for it. who, who would have thought that we'd be talking about all of all the deals at the trade deadline? Who would have thought we'd be talking about Tommy Pham as being mm-hmm. the guy that the guy that was exiled from the Mets that has been having a phenomenal bounce back? Um, I mean, he's he's putting up some really good numbers right now with the Diamondbacks um, and has become kind of a pretty, pretty big part of their uh, of their offense. He's already, you know, in in almost half the, in less than half the game, more than, well, actually, yeah, it's a little less than half the games. He's already produced half of his home run total with the Mets, Mm -hmm. with the Diamondbacks currently sitting at five when he hit 10 with the, with the Mets during the year. I mean, he's got 24 RBI. He had 36 on the Mets. His, his hitting statistics are down a little bit in terms of comparing the two sides, but he has become a huge part of that Diamondbacks lineup and has to be considered one of the, if not the steal of the trade deadline. Yeah. Uh, Steve Cohen better call the five Oh, because he got robbed by the Diamondbacks in this deal. Uh, I don't remember exactly what the Diamondbacks gave up. Um, I mean, I think they, I, I think they only gave up what a couple of prospects, to get Tommy Pham? Yeah, I think it was just a couple of maybe mid-level prospects. Mid-level, yeah, not even high-ranking prospects. They gave up a couple of mid-level prospects, got Tommy Pham, and, it, you know, I feel like at the time, everybody kind of went, what, really, Diamondbacks? But, I mean, it made perfect sense. Uh, this was a, yeah, this was, a, Tommy Pham was absolutely the steal of the deadline. Um, the Diamondbacks, the Diamondbacks committed highway robbery. Um, and yeah, Tommy Pham has been hitting the freaking cover off the ball for the Diamondbacks as they, you know, continue to, uh, you know, they're in the midst of the playoff race. Um, so yeah, absolutely. He was the steal of the deadline. Um, yeah, crazy. Uh, all right, everybody. Thanks as always for sending in your mailbag questions. You can continue to do so uh, via email at eighthinningstretchatgmail.com on Twitter at eighthinningpod. Um, for some reason, the Spotify Q 
Q&A thing doesn't seem to be working at the moment. So I don't know. We'll try to figure that out. It's probably an issue on Spotify's end. Um, so in the meantime, just the email and Twitter. Um, real quick, let's talk some must-watch games. Um, Braves Phillies that we just talked about. Uh, Rangers Blue Jays playoff implications there. Uh, Rays and Twins, Yankees Red Sox, obviously Marlins Brewers. More playoff implications. Uh, Angels Mariners playoff implications for one team. Um, there we've got we've got quite a schedule, quite a slate of games. Yes, we do, and we've got a couple of actually very good options for a tankathon series this time around. Yes, we do. Um, but as much as I so badly want to pick the Royals and the White Sox, I've been I've been picking <laughs> on my on my division competitors quite a bit in the tank on recently. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to move away from them and uh, instead go with uh, the clown organization. We referenced at the top of the show, the Washington <laughs> nationals taking on the Pittsburgh pirates. That is a bad series. Ugh. That, yeah, that's, that's gross. Sorry, so- Pittsburgh. Sorry, Pittsburgh. <laughs> so if you want to watch what Steven Strasburg is retiring and saving himself from, <laughs> go watch that series. Oh, man, that's terrible. Um, my one last thing, ugh, my one last thing is kind of, it's a little all over the place. I got to be honest. I've had, a, I've gone through about three different, uh, my initial thought was to, talk about the George Kirby Mariner situation and how uh, basically George Kirby, uh, after giving up the game-winning home run to the Rays the other night, was like, hey, I shouldn't have been out there for the seventh anyways. Um, he has since had a conversation with Mariner's skipper, Scott Service. They worked everything out. Um, but Roger Clemens, of all people, decided to weigh in on this and basically – uh, yeah, just piled on Kirby and oh, that wouldn't have flown back. That wouldn't have, that wouldn't have been okay. Or he wouldn't have gotten him out with, with that in the old days to which my response was Roger, are you talking about the old days when, uh, players like you were juicing more than Jack LaLanne? I mean, talk about what's that saying about throwing stones in glass houses. God damn, dude, just shut up and crawl back into whatever cave you were in. Uh, the other one, um, this one was a doozy. Uh, David Wells. I mean, that's all I really need to say. Um, but David Wells, apparently the Yankees had some sort of reunion for the old timers or whatever the other day. Uh, and David Wells proceeded to make a series of idiotic comments, both about how players are coddled and baby too much. And also... Um, Picking on companies like Nike and Bud Light for being "quote unquote" woke, you know, because that's the that's the trendy buzzword nowadays. Um, yeah, I got news for you, dude. Uh, being woke and being aware of what's going on in our society isn't a bad thing. Um, I don't even should I even? Yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna read this quote. Uh, Wells went on to say, "We're in a different world. It sucks. That's why everyone should carry a gun, dude." If you're so afraid of people, uh, imagine imagine being so, you know, these these 
knuckleheads like to throw around the word snowflake. Imagine being such a big snowflake that you're afraid of people who were different than you, that you feel like you need to have, carry a gun around. Uh, again, go crawl back into whatever cave you were in with Roger Clemens. <sighs> All right, that's enough of that. Uh, and lastly, I know you're like, you're going, this is three last things. You know what? Too bad. Um, lastly, uh, and maybe ignoring these two idiots, um, because that's what they are. Uh, by the time you guys listen to this, uh, on Monday, Monday is the, uh, is the anniversary of September 11th. Um, it's hard to believe it doesn't seem possible that it's been 12 years. Uh, no, I'm sorry. 22 years. 2023, right? 2001. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's been over 20 years. Um, and I don't really know. I mean, I don't know what else could be said about 9-11 that hasn't already been said. It was, uh, I was awful. It was tragic. It was terrible. It was... Um, obviously one of the darkest days, um, in our, in our country's history, you know, uh, all these innocent people who died, um, all the families that were ripped apart, y'all, you guys all know that stuff. I don't really need to go. Um, but just, uh, just remember, you know, after that day and the outpouring of support, um, for the people, for the victims, for their families, for the first responders, uh, you know, the first responders that went charging into those buildings without any thought of their own safety or anything like that. Um, try, I know, I know we live in crazy times. I know things are probably, you know, things might be as divisive and divided as, as, as they've ever been, but try do yourself and everyone else a favor and try to remember, try, try to remember the way we all came together 22 years ago, the way we all came together as a country, the, you know, everybody flying American flags and the, you know, the posters and stuff with, you know, these colors don't run and, and the overwhelming sense of national pride and patriotism that stemmed from that awful, awful day. You know, the members of Congress, Republicans, Democrats, it didn't matter on the steps of the Capitol singing God bless America. I mean, it might have been it might have been naive to think then that that could last um but we've gotten so far away from that and i just hope that on at least for tomorrow uh you know on the anniversary try to remember uh try to remember that feeling and that and those emotions and the outpouring of support try to remember how we all came together 
in the wake of uh, a terrible tragedy. Um, because honestly, and I know, and I, I won't, I'll, I'll resist getting, you know, too far down the political rabbit hole here, but honestly, it doesn't matter where you fall on the political spectrum. It doesn't matter who you voted for. It doesn't matter, you know, it, frankly, at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter. Um, Because whether you're Republican, Democrat, Black, White, Hispanic, whatever, it doesn't matter. We're all Americans. This is our country. And there was a day 22 years ago where we were all, we all got the most, we got the, the, the most dramatic and most you know, uh, terrifying reminder of that, that none of that crap mattered. Um, and I don't, I don't know how we get back to that. I don't know if we can get back to that, but at least for tomorrow, do yourself a favor, do everyone a favor and try to get back to that place, at least for the day, at least for the anniversary um, if for no other reason to honor the memory of everyone who died that day and everyone who made sacrifices um, because to not do that is to not do that makes it feel like all those people died for nothing and that's that's just not okay yeah anyway. well said um anybody else feel like running through a brick wall after that um, <laughs> but i also you I mean took both of running... the things i wanted to talk about for my one last did thing. i steal them I'm sorry, <laughs> but but that's okay. What what I will do instead is I will do a one last thing, add-on <laughs> instead. Um, nice, because my um because I had also wanted to touch on the whole George Kirby thing, mm. um which I you you focused a little bit more on Roger Clemens' reaction, whereas my one last mm. thing was planning on focusing on the actual comments by Kirby himself. Um, yeah. Honestly, it just kind of sounded like he was trying to make excuses. Um, mm. You know, I get it. Frustrated, heat of the moment. Maybe, you know, you shouldn't have felt that you have been out there, but that should have been a conversation you have with Scott Service and not put it out mm -hmm. into the media. Uh, that's kind of my thoughts on it personally. That's that's a conversation that needs to happen between a manager and a player. Um, yep. That's not something that needs to needs to go into the media. Um, honestly, for for me, that just kind of seemed like a like a punk way out of it. Um, and um, it just felt like an excuse. And might might we be able? To, and I agree with you, hundred uh, percent. He even Kirby has even said that since. Um, might we be able to chalk up his reaction to him being a young player? Yeah, I think that certainly has a part to play. Um, hmm. You know, maybe maybe Roger Clemens is right, and the back in my hmm. day that wouldn't have flown or whatever. But 
um, but anywho, yes. Um, and then obviously, uh, huge, you know, one of the in the anniversary, <laughs> one of the most tragic, and uh, one of the most tragic, and one of the craziest, not only events in U.S. history, but in world history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Buckingham Palace, the Queen had the na- the U.S. national anthem played in solidarity Mm. which has never happened before and as far as i know has never happened since um it it was it was not only the u.s coming together in solidarity but it was the world coming together in solidarity for us uh which was a really cool thing now i personally did not you know i don't really remember the actual event itself at all um i was two years old when when (laughs) it happened um so i oh man personally i do not remember it at all but uh the the other thing i wanted to touch on with it is you you mentioned the first responders and everybody Mm -hmm. who had given their lives in um in that event um just just remember to everybody that the the pain for those first responders did not end on september 11th um Mm -hmm. they have they have faced i'm sure plenty of mental trauma um, as well as physical trauma on their bodies that has been well documented um, Mm -hmm. and has been you know something that uh, John Stewart has strongly advocated for bills for um, for their health to be taken care of um, because as he so eloquently put it in a very fiery uh, testimony (laughs) to, um, to a I don't remember if it was a congress committee or uh, it was, but by the way, if you guys haven't seen his testimony, go watch. Oh man, it's very yeah. powerful. Do yourself uh, a favor and watch it. Yeah, but essentially, you know, they they gave up their lives for us, and we have given up on them. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we always say never forget, but sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I think just as you know, with with our everyday lives, sometimes sometimes I think we do. Um, mm. and it's just a little reminder, you know, hug a loved one on hug a loved one tomorrow, you know, say, say thank you to a first responder tomorrow. Um, you know, cause at the end of the day, they, they did a lot for us then and are still doing a lot for us now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and another group I sort of, I don't know, I didn't, I guess I didn't forget them, but, uh, I mean the first responders obviously, but, um, you know, also a shout out uh, to the all the recovery workers um, mm. who sifted through the wreckage, the remains of the World Trade Center uh, and the Pentagon, um, desperately trying to find survivors, you know. So uh, that's another, you know, uh, another group that definitely should be recognized. Um and the, uh, yeah. the members of the the flight that took the tried to yeah. take the plane back, flight ninety three. Yep, the passengers who, uh, yeah, they basically they they fought off the hijackers and and the plane. You know that was the one that the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania. Um, that had it not been for those brave passengers, uh, and and the flight crew, I mean, who knows? Could have hit the White House. Could have hit the Capitol. Could have hit somewhere else. So, um, yeah, that's, 
yeah, that's that's a really interesting. That's something I didn't. I mean, you. Sometimes I think I've. Sometimes I feel like I forget that there are people like yourself who didn't experience this stuff firsthand. And uh, boy, that's actually kind of that's actually kind of mind blowing. Um, I. <sighs> I don't. I don't even know how to describe. Um, I mean, any of you who were, you know, any of you who remember 9/11, you know what I'm talking about. For but for anyone who didn't, uh, you know, like my illustrious co-host over here, who were either not born yet or too young to remember. I mean, one, uh, I'm actually kind of envious that you're too young to remember that awful day. Um, but two, uh, that was. Without a doubt, one of those days, one of those moments that you, for the rest of your life, you remember where you were and exactly what you were doing. I mean, you know, I remember I was in I was in high school as a freshman in high school. I was sitting in Spanish class waiting for Spanish class to start um, when it came on the TV. So anyways, uh, yeah, just, you know, be be good human beings. Like, seriously, take care of yourself. Take care of the people around you. Um, because there's just, there's too much, there's too much negativity and too much, there's too, there are way too many people that are only thinking about themselves. So don't be one of those people. Don't be an asshole. Uh, anyways, we're finally going to wrap. Uh, we're at the end of our 91st episode. Holy crap. Um, we're, we're, we're down to single digits. Um, you know, obviously creeping up on our fast approaching our hundredth episode, um, and with the conclusion of episode ninety one, uh, Carson, we are. Would you like to guess? I I feel like if I tried to guess, I would just be so far off. So why why don't you go ahead? I'm so curious. We are we are Carl Yastrzemski episodes oh. away from one hundred. Of course. Why didn't I think of Yaz? Where else could I go with number eight? Yeah, good right? point. So I think I mentioned this last time, but when I was coming up with these, I mean, basically when I got to the single digits, I'm like, okay, these are really obvious. So, um, yeah, eight episodes away, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, don't forget to cast your vote if you haven't already uh, on the eighth inning ballot eighth inning stretch ballot of awesomeness um cast your votes for your all 2000s all decade team uh yeah don't forget to follow us on twitter eighth inning at eighth inning pod eighth inning stretch gmail.com and check out our sponsors our awesome sponsors at printer dudes uh your one-stop shop for the coolest 3d printed gifts uh toys and collectibles this side of home plate um and as a thank you for being a fan of the show you can use promo code home run that's one word and save 10 percent off your order at printer dudes dot etsy.com that's printer dudes d double o d s and breathe that's it that's all we got for you everyone have an awesome week um best of luck on your fantasy football teams uh remember tomorrow or today i guess you know to just take a moment and you know a little moment of silence and um yeah we'll be back with you guys on uh, on friday